I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. John and Ken Show, John Cobell and Ken Shampoos, KFI AM 640 Live, everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome, everybody. Next hour, we'll bring back the voice line, folks. It's been a couple of weeks. We were not here last Friday, so we'll welcome them back and see what they want to spew about. We begin this hour with KFI News reporter Steve Gregory, uh, this crime tourist story, which we know we covered. I don't know that John and I both remembered it a year or two ago, at least. Because we had a jewelry store owner on. Who, uh, whose business was burst into from the ceiling. And these South Americans were mm-hmm. piling in. I think Fox 11 did a long thing on it. That was years ago, though. And it looks like this is still going on. Yeah. In fact, now the, the, my attention got caught because uh, the Ventura County Sheriff's Department alerted me to it. And the problem now is that they said they were seeing these robberies and burglaries going on back in 2019. And I don't know if that's about the same time you're talking. That may be. Yeah. I think it was pre-pandemic. Yeah, yeah. And, they, and they were having issues with it. They were having this spike in crime, and they couldn't figure out you know, what all of a sudden was going on. And then they started seeing a pattern, and they started seeing just four-man crews, and they were all coming from the same area of South America. And they found out that, um, um, you know, in cut A here, this is Eric Bouchot. He's a commander with the Ventura County Sheriff's Department. And he talked about that time when they saw a pattern and kind of what they're doing. These were being committed by groups of people who come here from South American countries specifically to commit crimes. They're very sophisticated. They train for how to do this in ways that they won't get caught. And they they know what they're doing. And it makes it very, very difficult. They'll take jewelry and things like that to the jewelry mart in downtown Los Angeles and sell it or they'll ship someone at home 
And what he says is interesting about what they noticed is that they're so sophisticated, as he said, that they know to go after high-end homes that are up against open space. So they have a getaway point. They have a you know a driver, a getaway driver waiting. But they also know, and sometimes they'll be lying in wait for a homeowner to leave. And they know to go in and enter from the second floor because typically alarm systems are not installed on second floors. Is that right? That's what they said. They're oh, finding that... a lot of these high-end homes yeah. have only things on the on the first on the ground floor. Oh, that's stupid. So they know to get up on the second floor, and they usually find out, and they can tell in a window when there's an alarm, like one of those um, like seismic sensors, right? And or whether they've got the the beams, you can tell in the corner if they got the beams, and they know what to look for. But by and large, they know these homes have no sophisticated systems on the second level. So they'll find a way with a rope ladder or something, and they'll be able to get up to a balcony or get up somehow and get into that second floor and get out. And then even if they come back out through the first floor and get out through the front entrance, their escape is already planned and they're way ahead of the game. Now, do they know who lives there and know where the good stuff is kept? Mm -hmm. And here's the thing. And, and how do they get that information? How do they know that this house has got <laughs> you know hundreds of thousands of dollars in jewelry in some uh, drawer? And where is that drawer typically? In the bedroom. There you go. Master so, bedrooms. Right. So they don't have that specific knowledge. It's just they know the they know where to go to the, they know the master bedrooms are on the second floor. And they know master bedrooms have the bulk of the loot. And it's mostly jewelry, cash, um, you know, precious metals, whatever the case is. And then they know electronics, they don't do anything big and bulky because right. it's it's all time it's all timed out. Right. Um, well, I mean, if you're buying if you're stealing expensive jewelry, mm -hmm. you don't need you don't need to put and the electronics on your back, I mean, because that stuff could be hundreds of right, thousands exactly. of dollars. And that's when you hear uh, Commander Bouchot say that, you know, sometimes they they already have a fence. They already have a place they know they're going to take it. Or they'll simply put it in a box and send it back to Chile. Do they do they pick these uh, houses at random? Mm-mm. Nope. And sometimes they'll case. They'll case neighborhoods. They fly up, um, and he says uh, that they'll actually rehearse and practice in their home country. They actually, like, do you know, run-throughs. It's like a paramilitary. Unit. Yeah, and they come up and they go through and they do the whole nine yards. They know the, what to look for in the houses. They do a lot of studying. And he says they travel in typical four-man crews and they all have a specific role. And they'll sit there, like I said, they'll look at homes typically against golf courses, uh, open space areas, undeveloped areas because it's easy in, easy out. And they'll just, they'll find a, a part to surveil, a sit, they'll sit there in an area, and they'll surveil, surveil the home, wait for the owners to leave. They'll start to get a pattern of when owners are coming and going, whether there's kids, how many cars, when the cars are staying, when they're going, and they know exactly when to strike. Now, um, in cut B here, Eric also talks about the fact that uh, there is another reason why this has become such a, a, a lucrative business. We know that there's some very permissive visa regulations between certain South American countries. Uh, probably 90% of these crews are from Chile. They had traveled to Australia and committed similar burglaries there, and then also European countries. But then they discovered the United States was a target, and they're exploiting these loopholes. 90% of these crimes have been committed in Thousand Oaks. And then we've had a scattering of homes targeted in Camarillo, uh, Moore Park, and other places as well. You can go online and get a tourist visa from Chile. That's the way it's set up. You don't have to go anywhere and get it in person. All you have to do is apply for it online, and it's good for 90 days. 
and they're really? traveling around the world mm-hmm. pulling these uh, yep. robberies off. But they, they they have found what he says uh, they've committed more than a hundred of these burglaries in just the last year. Do they, they stay here? Or do they go back to Chile they, and then just come back? They and come forth? back and forth. They go back and forth, and then they. This is business for them. Yeah, and then a lot of them come up, and you know, if they're doing their thing, they also know not to go too far and you know extend their liability, if you will, or extend their exposure. A lot of them will do uh, reconnaissance work and then hand it off to the next team, and they're not caught. They are sometimes. There was a case the other day where they actually got caught. That's what kind of brought this story back to light because they were actually they actually caught a crew, and they were there was a car chase. And they actually caught him at the end of the car chase, and then they realized that this is part of that ongoing cycle. The only thing that um, that I was not able to find out is whether or not uh, it's, it sounds like, just based on experience, that there's probably a, a hierarchy. There's probably somebody controlling this, much like the gangs here when we had the smash and grabs. Right. Those were all being done by somebody in control, mm. and then these are just the soldiers. What happened to the smash and grabs? It's been a quiet uh, month or so. Well, I think a lot of that now, too, and I'm talking to LAPD command level, they have said that they've stepped up patrols mostly. Uh, the attention the media has been giving it, they know now that uh, people are coming forward. They know now that uh, the sheriff's department especially is circumventing the DA. They know now that they'll they'll back, bypass the DA and they'll go to the state and get charges filed. So these criminals now know they kind of had their heyday. And as as you guys know, they always have to think about the next thing. So they're always looking forward. Right. Once they run out of being able to do it this way, and I'm just getting a text now, in fact, from a, yeah. yeah, Deputy Chief Alan Hamilton just texted me from LAPD. He says, um, yes, that this um, crime tourism is a huge issue here, and it's constantly going on. So this is, a, this is a, apparently a prolific issue, prolific problem here in, in the Valley. But wow. we don't have enough crooks of our own. They have to come from South America now? Well, that's why they're calling it tourism, crime tourism. I, you know, I just love to see some sort of a, a travel uh, a right. travel office. Right, because the visa system is a sieve. And he says <laughs> right now the south part of San Fernando Valley is the biggest. That's where it's getting they're getting hit the hardest with these in the L.A. area. And you heard uh, Commander Bouchot talk about the Moore, Moore Park, Thousand Oaks, and Camarillo is where they're getting hit up there. Yeah, so. well, there's more money there. There you All go, right, guys. Steve, thank right. you very Good much. Good stuff. Steve Gregory on crime tourism and the big report that there are thieves coming from countries like Chile uh, who work out a plan to uh, burglarize homes. More coming up. John and Ken Show, KFI. John and Ken Show, John Cobelt and Ken Shampo. It's KFI, AM 640 Live, everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Well, speaking of crime, there was uh, quite a remarkable update on that terrible story out of Texas from earlier this week when there was a collision between a pickup truck and a van on a state highway in Texas that resulted in the death of nine people. Most of them were part of a college golfing team. They were inside the van. Seven of them were killed. The two that died in the pickup truck, which caused the crash, was a father and son. Okay. Heinrich Siemens is the father, age 38. The son, age 13, his name is Ricky, was driving. That was the first thing that came out. By the way, John, in Texas, you have to be 14 before you can start into the permit process. 14? 
Yeah, you can. You can start to it's, learn how to drive. It's 16. Not at 13. 16 and a half here. Yes, well, Texas is more rural. Usually places that are more rural allow because you need sometimes help on the farm and stuff. And help wow, on the 14? Property. Yeah, but I think you have to be 15 to actually get a license, but you can start at 14. Yeah, permit means you got to drive with an adult in the car. Right, well, the adult was in the car, but people think it was reckless because the kid was on a very, very busy uh, yeah, I mean, I, re- I remember driving my sons, I mean, teaching my sons how to drive. And it's not always easy because all you can do is react after they've already made the mistake. Right? And, and, and It appears that the, that the pickup truck blew out a tire. And I guess the kid couldn't get control and it swerved into the van. That's what we think happened. And I don't know whether or not the... This was an old pickup truck where they weren't taking care of the uh, tires, yeah. but that seems to be what happened. Well, they were, uh, well, then they... we learned that the boy apparently burnt the house down a few months ago. Oh, so what do we got here? Well, he we... left some eggs on the stove is allegedly the... Uh, uh-huh. It's a Mennonite family. Oh, do you remember the Mennonites? But the father apparently has a long criminal record that dates back to at least 2004, aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, DUI. Okay, aren't there too many strange threads in this story to say it's a completely innocent event, just a bad tire, bad mistake? No, this was a ticking time bomb situation. Boy burned down the house. Dad has a long, long criminal record for the last uh, 17, 18 years. Right. Um, he's, He's driving at 13. And, and do you remember the Mennonites' first station that we worked at? Do you remember there was a, a Mennonite uh, community in Pennsylvania? Uh, y- yes, did, they did, did ever... have a presence, right? Yeah, because when I first— Sometimes I used to think they were Quakers, but I guess they were Mennonites. No, they were Mennonites. I remember because um, first radio job I had, and Ken worked at the same place. Uh, when I first started, I worked— uh, Saturday and Sunday afternoons. And after playing records Sunday afternoon, the next guy in was this Mennonite pastor. And he did like a semi-religious show. Yeah. Playing like weird Mennonite folk songs. Oh. And they reminded me of the Amish. Like they, you know, he wore like black clothing and an odd hat. He was very nice and affable. But, uh, you know, there was something odd about it. That made me uncomfortable. Because <laughs> you weren't uh, yeah, no, familiar we, with it. No. no. Well, no. And uh, it still s- struck me as odd. I, the people who dress up in religious outfits uh, when, when when they're you know just regular people, it it's bothers me. They apparently uh, originated in the Netherlands and Switzerland in the early 1500s. And uh, they came together because of opposition to certain actions and policies of the Roman Catholic Church. Mm. Yeah, I, know. I don't know it's... much about their actual beliefs. Uh, someone asked, what's the difference between the Amish and the Mennonites? I... Amish people live in close-knit communities who so don't become part of the other population, whereas Mennonites live as part of the population, not in separate communities. Okay. Right, but there's some, there was something about them, because I've seen Amish. There's a lot of weird religious cults in Pennsylvania in the rural areas. And I've seen the Amish, like in the Lancaster area, and I saw the Mennonites, and they had more in common than not, right. even if their belief system was different. Just the way they carried themselves, the way they dressed, and uh, it—it's uh, supposed to be very uh, 
about non about uh, non resistance, non violence. But apparently, this father Heinrich. Yeah, there you go. Plus, Heinrich is his name. That's was another. accused of holding scissors to his spouse's neck. Oh, that too. And uh, he was going to use the scissors intended to cause serious or bodily harm, according to one of the charges that was against him. You sure the son just didn't want to take everybody out? Um. Well, the mother it was just he and the father in the car. Yeah, but I mean, out. Yeah, take him out, take out whoever was in the other car. It's like, you know, he was having his big breakdown. Yeah, Couldn't... we're getting the impression it may have been a troubled home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the more you re- read about that story, the more you wonder, was this an accident? But they're, they're saying that the burning down of the house was an accident. This just happened in December. Yeah, I, I know they say that, but was it? I... I mean, how many people burn down their house and then, what, three months later, end up killing a whole bunch of people in a crash? Yeah. That's that, That's a lot for one winter. The picture that they're circulating of the father, he's sitting in a chair holding like a small dog, but he looks bearded. He looks like a homeless guy. He's kind of dirty looking. Well, uh, yeah, the, the the people in those weird rural cults, cults they, end up, they end up looking odd. A lot of strange facial hair, I remember. Yeah, people, uh, family members of the uh, college golf students that die is called Southwest College. They're they're really upset that this guy let his kid drive on a busy highway at age thirteen. Well, because you know when you when when you blow out a tire, it's actually happened to me. That's you got to be quick thinking and you got to get control of that car and get it off the road as fast as you can. And I didn't have a bad blowout, but it was definitely like, yeah. oh, I knew something like the tire was going. Yeah. And you have to, you know, most kids go to driving school and high school, right? And they, they teach you what to do in emergencies. Right. And you need that kind of at least uh, audio reaction time, right? you know, and you need some experience on the road dealing with problems like you got to suddenly swerve, right? You have to know how to keep control. You slip on the ice. There's uh, there's uh, some obstruction in the lane, uh, but you know the thing is when you're 13 and they did this with my boys and they they were 16 and a half. You start in parking lots. I used to drive over to the UCLA uh, oh yeah lot it's, and uh, we'd go up and safer. down and up and down right, and then you slowly introduce them to a roadway, but a roadway without traffic, like suburban cul-de-sac kind of driving. Right. And then you finally try the the road, but just a little bit of the road. All right, we got more coming up. John and Ken, KFI. John and Ken Show. John Cobelt and Ken Shampo. It's KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Sounds like we're at a country western bar. I know. Yeah, my dog died. And I'm all alone. I like your dog. What happened? No, I'm just singing lyrics. Made up oh, lyrics. you're making so, up some gloomy, yeah, country. Trying music to get lyrics. in that country music field. It's always somebody dying, somebody's cheating. You're drinking too much. You lost your job. Yeah, <laughs> barbecue sauce and wet t-shirt. But barbecue sauce on a white t-shirt. You've never heard that before? No. Oh, oh. that that's a song. Yeah, there's a whole song about barbecue sauce stain on a white t-shirt. Is that right? That is no, depressing when that happens. I used to yeah. love country music. I used to listen I to hate a lot country of it. music. Yeah, well, I know most people. <laughs> Most people in the city do. Yeah, we played country songs at that station you mentioned in Pennsylvania. We, yeah. We mixed a few in there. It was like a top 40 format or well, contemporary. I, but... On Saturday afternoons, you used to play the uh, Country Countdown. Oh, top 20 you... country songs. Yeah, it was sponsored, I think, by a local feed store. 
And so for, <laughs> Do you remember the feed store? <laughs> for a couple hours, I, I played all the country hits. Uh, coming up at 5 o'clock, the latest on Ukraine and Russia. Uh, reports this afternoon of some big explosions going on at one of the big airports uh, near, uh, not Kiev, but one of the other major cities in Ukraine. We'll bring you up to date on all that. It'll be followed by the Moist Line, folks. It's coming up next hour on the John and Ken Show. Well, stop me if you've heard this before, but we're in a drought emergency. Stop. (laughs) A move was made today by the State Water Project to halt uh, shipments or rather uh, water supplies to uh, uh, cut back the water that is sent to cities and farms. The State Water Project will deliver only 5% of the contracted amounts. And I mention that because you, most of you in Southern California, not uh, John Cobelt, uh, probably are part of the Metropolitan Water District. I know I am. The MWD. Yeah, my particular water company is affiliated with the Metropolitan Water yeah. District, supplying water to 19 million people. In LA City, it's the DWP, which yes. is which is hardly corrupt, but they actually do deliver water and electricity reliably. Hmm. Well, 30% of the water that MWD gets is from that state water project, so this is going to affect them. In fact, uh, their general manager, Adele, Adele Hadzkalil. Is that what she's doing? I don't know. I thought she had another album out. Uh, That's a come down. Unfortunately, so far, the level of conservation we're seeing from the public is not matching the severity of the conditions. Months ago, Newsom asked people to cut back by 15%. Everybody yawned and ignored him. Because 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 that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. When you, uh, we're, I'm going to start beating the heads of uh, the almond growers again. Are you? This well, no. This is a total lie that that we're the ones who have to cut because the almond growers take up uh, like about 10 percent of the water in this state, and they sell 70 percent of the wa- of the almonds to China. So I don't know why we're subsidizing that with our water, and then you're telling everyone else to cut back your usage at home. Well, they're going to cut the farms too. So big, big, big middle finger to that. We and found it, out what the what the farmers do. They they dig deep into the ground. <laughs> Remember that they uh, sunk in all the ground because they were looking to reach water hey, underneath. We might be hitting the end of the line for civilization out here. This was an experiment. This was not guaranteed to last. This is not a place that uh, a state that forty million people ought to be living. At this high level. Yeah, I was going to say, as you've always pointed out, California's had many long periods but, of drought, we, but we, we, we didn't have 40 million people here. We, we live in a fake, like in Los Angeles, this is a fake city. This is a fake environment. There'd no. be hardly any grass here if if this reverted to its natural ways. It's, oh, it's a, You know, it's a semi, uh, semi-arid air climate here. Right. And, it you know, it doesn't, you don't have to drive too far to be in a real arid climate. So it, it, it most much of the water is pumped in from the north, from the Sierra Nevada mountains, from the Colorado River. That's why we've got so much water to drink, and uh, uh, we have these beautiful golf courses, these big rolling lawns in in the wealthier parts of the city. But it's all it's all fake. We don't the water doesn't naturally fall here very much consistently. Well, you know, one of the other topics involved in this is the reservoirs. 
Some news on that. The Biden administration announced it's offering $2.2 billion in low-interest loans to the Sites Reservoir Project. It is a new $4 billion off-stream reservoir in Calusa County that will be filled with diversions from the Sacramento River in wet years. The project, wait for this, has been proposed since the 1950s mm. and would be similar in size to another reservoir called the St. Louis Reservoir. However, it is opposed, of course, by the Sierra Club and other environmental groups, along with some native tribes, saying it diverts too much water from the Delta, which, here it comes, harms the salmon. Okay. We, we, we've got, we're coming to a crucial point here. We could go decades without water. We could be in a long-term drought. Nobody knows. Or we could get 50 inches of rain next year. Impossible right. to predict. Michael Schellenberger was talking about this yesterday. He's the guy who wrote San Francisco about homelessness, but he's been an environmental activist and he's running for governor now as an independent. And he said something really smart yesterday, which you never hear an idiot like Governor Newsom talk about. We ought to be building water storage reservoirs. We ought to be building massive desalination plants. We've got the whole friggin' Pacific Ocean out there. We're not going to drain that easily. Plenty of water to run through a desalination plant. We should be doing water recycling massively. These are the projects we should be spending tax money on. We don't. We don't build anything. You can't have 40 million people living out here. We could have decades of drought. You could have hundreds of years of drought. That's happened in the not that distant past. We've had hundreds of years of drought consecutively. You know what else he said that really struck me that I thought you were just going to bring up? I don't know if we were talking about the water or what, but his time spent with these environmental types, he says they stick to one mantra. They don't want the state's population to grow. So they oppose anything that would aid in that. That would include trying to stop things like reservoirs and other projects because they believe all that does is encourage more population growth. So they try to hold the line on all this stuff saying, no, no, we don't want any more right. people here. So therefore, you're not getting more roads. You're not getting more reservoirs. You're not getting anything like that. But if people- And yet, th- th- nothing stops the people from coming. <laughs> well, there's no. Eight. I mean, no. obviously, there's been a small... Uh, slow down in our population growth in the last several years. We lost a house seat, but it's still 40 million people's a lot. Yeah. Well, in, if people were informed and educated and most aren't, we'd be shouting these crazies down because primarily we have to survive. We are here. And if there's a way to get more of a water supply, most people are going to want that way. And again, it's the crazy people, the loud people, the lunatics they have ridiculous, a ridiculous belief system, absolutely absurd belief system, and 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 the stuff with the salmon, I'm I'm just like fed up with hearing about it. You know, I, I again not going to get emotional and romantic about salmon. We are we are flushing billions and billions of gallons into the Pacific Ocean, rerouting it instead of having it stored and used by people, and th- nothing's going to change, I guess, until there's a massive crisis. But the massive crisis could come. And, oh, and you're, yeah. not, you're not going to get anywhere by telling people to stick to five-minute showers. You could have an intelligent, rational way of dealing with this. And and we do not have rational people running things. You have crazy people running things. And then, what, well, what's going to happen if crazy people run things long enough? 
Some kind of some kind of a disaster. All right, we got more coming up. John and Ken. John and Ken Show. John Cobell, Ken Shampoo, KFI, AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Oh, we have uh, news from the child abusers who run yeah, the... Yeah, it uh, looks like uh, the United Teachers Los Angeles Union hacks have reached an agreement with the LA Unified School District. And beginning Wednesday, March 23rd, masking will only be strongly recommended at all schools. Okay. It will not be mandated. All right. That's so, indoor, outdoor, whatever they had going on. What so. uh, What was the payoff for the uh, child abusers of the teachers' union? I don't know. That's uh, that's what they ought to rename that union. Instead of UTLA, it should be uh, CALA, Child Abusers of Los Angeles. Taking yeah. away uh, kids' education for a year and a half and making them uh, walk around with that uh, stupid uh, cloth on their face. Yeah, somebody sent a long email yesterday. They claimed to be an insider, and they said some of this is the efforts by the teachers' union and the teachers to be depicted somehow as sort of first responders and emergency workers and to entitle them to special pay. That's what they <laughs> thought they There you go. Because they're, quote, on the front lines. That's you see. it. They're that... in the classrooms with people that, yeah. We were wondering, what's the ransom? What's the payoff? Oh, I think we're, that's the explanation. That we're that we're first gave. responders. Everybody wants to be a first responder. Oh, what a sad, sad group. God, what a toxic group of buffoons. And they're honest to God. It's just child abuse is what it is. I never would have allowed my kids to be abused by that crowd. So glad I wasn't in the public school system in L.A. Good Lord. We will talk about Ukraine, Russia, 505. Here's one good headline for you. One of the uh, spokesholes for the Russian government is praising a TV cable network in the United States for great coverage of, uh, and it's Fox News they're praising. Yeah, I know. Balanced coverage, they claim. Is yeah. that all because of uh, Tucker Carlson's? Uh, yeah, he's the leader. They, uh, he seems to have a weird obsession with Putin. And yeah, he, it's he, kind of creepy. Yeah, I don't watch him occasionally. If I, I don't, got, I've only read things he said. I don't. I, I, I well, in the studio, usually. We have baseball and the game show network on or, or buzzer. And um, lately, though, I've had the cable news channels on to keep track of the war. And so I've seen his show coming on at five o'clock. I could read the graphics and the uh, the closed captioning. Yeah, he's got a lot of a lot of bizarre theories about Russia and Ukraine. It's really wacky stuff. He, he came out strongly supporting Putin and thought this whole thing was a sham. And I don't know what he's smoking. All right, well, we used to have a category on the show called What a Terrible Way to Go. And whenever this happens, it is considered by far here on the John and Ken Show to be one of the worst ways to lose your life. Here is the report from the Toronto Sun as to what happened to a man. At about 8.39 this morning, neighbors say that um, suddenly they saw one of the workers rush forward to turn off the machine. Um, an investigation is going on now. Uh, one of the crew members was uh, killed after he was sucked into the machine. Where they were trying to put in uh, a big branch from the tree. We spoke to one of the neighbors who uh, was outside his home at the time of the accident. I didn't know what was going on at first. All I could see from my from the front here was the yellow tape going across, right? I didn't know if it was something at the house next door or down down another house. I didn't really see the, 
the uh, machinery there until later when I come out. I've talked to my son on that already. What did What did he say? He's the, everybody's heard about it. Like it's gone. I guess it's on the news. I don't know. Yeah, they've all heard about it. Now, in situations like this, there is always an investigation, this one being led by the Ministry of Labour. Their crews have been on scene since not long after the accident. But in the moments um, and minutes after this accident happened, uh, neighbours said that a uh, fire crew, uh, an ambulance was here for about 20 minutes. Uh, they all arrived in, in, in pretty short order, but there was nothing they uh, could do for uh, the person who was killed in this accident. We don't know exactly how long this investigation will take, but obviously people on this street, and especially the crew members who are working with this young man, are absolutely shocked and saddened, stunned by what happened. That's from the Toronto Sun newspaper in Canada. Uh, he was sucked into a wood chipper, if you didn't get that part. And uh, there's actually a lot more information that's come out. Uh, he was uh, 22 years old and only on the job for a week. Uh, his name is Daniel Van Hurst, or Heist, age 22. He was removing trees in this neighborhood about 8.30 in the morning. And as you heard described, somehow, while they were loading the tree branches in, I don't know whether he... He got caught, uh, whether he got sucked in with the tree branches or whatever, but he got caught up in the chipper. One witness said, I just saw his uh, feet leave the ground. It all happened very quick. They rushed to turn off the chipper, but it was uh, obviously too late to save is that, him. Is that the worst way to go? Uh, well, that, it, that is it would be rather instantaneous. Yeah, there's that. There's not a lot of suffering. You become instant mulch. Yeah. He was a contract worker with a company called Echo Tree Care, and he only started working that particular removal job that week. So I don't know how much training he got, or whether well, or not you know you don't it was something that you don't know. Done. You don't know what you're doing after a week. I well, mean, but how hard is it? I guess when you load branches into a wood chipper, you do have to probably I keep your distance. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to find out. I'm never going to load anything into a wood chipper. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm, obviously, there's a safe way to do it because most people don't end up getting sucked in. And I I guess it comes down to being too close. Oh, when I see them on the streets, I stay my distance far away. Oh, the yeah. noise enough drives me crazy. Oh, I Just know. that, oh, that grinding it, noise that they make. And, when, it, and if it, got, it sucks a guy in, I don't want to see it. Uh, well, so, no. No, no I, I, I always look away, keep away. You don't want to see it, right? I'm telling you, she, South Carolina, had, uh, is bringing back the firing squad. Who is? South Carolina. Oh, is it because they ran out of I, uh, uh, drugs to kill people? I, I don't I don't know. It was just a headline. Oh. And, um, but I'm thinking a wood chipper would. That's not a bad option either. Uh, we don't have to hear about the three drug protocol. What's like the pain that. and suffering there going into the wood chipper? Yeah, but like you said, it's instant. Yeah, no I'm, suffering. Probably not right away, but like, like pretty close. All right, we got more coming up. That's my contribution. John and Ken show. Mark Runner has the news. KFI AM six forty. 
I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.